Buckle up and get ready, because your weekly news wrap awaits. It's time for Rush Hour with Amukta and Nicole. Hello and welcome back to Rush Hour again. I'm Amukta. And I'm Nicole. We have, I think we have very political news today from yes. the overview. Yeah, but um, we'll get right into it so you can find out all the details. Starting off with Nicole. Um, okay, yeah. So we have taken a break kind of from talking about the war in the Middle East, but we're bringing it back today. And that's because a really big update has come up and it's that the U.S. has struck more than 85 targets in Iraq and Syria to retaliate for Iran's drones attack on our base in Jordan that happened last week, which killed three American soldiers and wounded 40 more. And so these U.S. attacks are also in an effort to deter threats from Iran-backed r- groups in the Middle East. And the seven facilities that the U.S. attacked included command and control operations, intelligence centers, rockets and missiles, and drone storage sites, which were all affiliated with attacks on U.S. personnel in the region. So it does seem to be more like a defense um, attack or retaliation. Um, and But Syrian media has stated that the American strikes have killed and wounded multiple people but have not come out with a specific number of casualties yet. Obviously, they're still happening, so more people are going to be killed. Um, So we just won't know the total number for a while. But there's been a few things that have happened since these strikes have started. There was a U.S. airstrike in Baghdad, which is the capital of Iraq, um, on Wednesday which killed a militia commander suspected of plotting attacks on American troops throughout the region. And so, again, this just seems more like a defense attack, um, more than offensive. And the U.S., um, they, this militia, oh, sorry. And, sorry, this attack could cause the Iraqi military um, to end its partnership with Washington. And then the latest, most recent update is that Israel struck the southern Gaza city of Rafah, which followed a warning from the Biden administration, um, officials and aid agencies to Israel against expanding its ground offensive in the territory there. So they struck two residential buildings and um, two other buildings in central Gaza, including a kindergarten, which was turned into a shelter for displaced people so i'm not sure if that attack was the other ones have seemed like retaliation and defense but that one striking residential buildings and it's well it was israel um they were just supported by the u.s that seems well i guess in in the in the concept of the war if it's israel striking gaza then you don't really like can't really understand like they're gonna say that it's defensive but um, but yeah, that's more striking residential buildings than like military commanders. So it's a bit different. Yeah, that's strange. I feel like this is a bit of a trend though, because didn't they bomb like a couple of hospitals a little while ago? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of bombing of just, yeah, just residential areas. I guess it's because they're saying that Hamas is like trying to blend in with 
just normal citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to kill normal citizens to get to the Hamas leaders and everything. But um, I'm not sure how, how, like what kind of tactics they have of who they're targeting and what they're targeting. Yeah, that's that's a little that's a little concerning because I feel like we haven't heard anything about Israel Palestine in a, a little while. But. Yeah. And now that the U.S. is getting more involved, like I'm worried that that could cause some escalation in it as well. But and it looks like they have some like a lot of conflict in the Middle East. Not that they didn't in the past; they've always had conflict. But with this, plus the airstrike in Iraq, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of things to look out for at once. Yeah. So we just have to see how everybody's going to respond to all of these events and also how the U.S. is going to respond. And it could get really, well, it's already really messy, but it could get messier. Um, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, kind of relating to politics, but more nationally, you've maybe heard of this, but um, a couple months ago, or I don't really remember when it was, but Colorado did announced that it was going to kick Trump off of the 2024 election ballot, um, following followed by Maine. These were never definite um, agreements, though, because yesterday the Supreme Court held a ruling on whether or not Trump could be kicked off the Colorado voting ballot. And currently, Maine and Colorado are still attempting to remove him, but the Supreme Court seems to be backing him up because of a claim that it violates the 14th Amendment. Um, so if you don't know what the 14th Amendment is, it especially violates Section 3, which is disqualification from holding office, which states that no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial <laughs> officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds each house, remove such disability. And it looks like they're going to remove that disability. Um, so, wait, sorry, can you... <laughs> um, I don't really understand <laughs> what that amendment just said can you explain yeah a little like <laughs> easier so basically what they're talking about is um do you remember the the capital riots yeah they're talking about that because what the 14th amendment state states the 14th amendment states is that um you're disqualified from holding office if you like um, are actively part of an insurrection or some sort of rebellion oh. against um, against the capital or against the United States or you're you're like comforting the enemies or siding with the en- enemies. Um, that's the point that Colorado and Maine are trying to use to get him off the ballot. But at the same time, um, Trump's whole like office is kind of saying, well, he didn't really engage with them. It was kind of an independent decision on the on the part of his followers. It's not like he went and he rioted the Capitol himself. And they're also bringing up the fact that Congress could remove this disability if they vote two-thirds as such. And Congress is kind of siding with him. Um, also for another point that I'll bring up, but I hope that made it a little bit clearer. Yeah, I know, I know that, that the, makes sense. The, the section itself is a little bit long. 
Um, but yeah, what their other issue was that if uh, if Colorado was able to kick Trump off the ballot, then other states might try that. Um, not just with Trump, but with other other candidates. Um, it, it would be like a free for all at that point, and I think that's what they're really worried of. Um, and then a point that Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, who is um, a, who is appointed appointed by Biden, makes is that the amendment never explicitly states president in it. Rather, like president and vice president electors and like other other officials, other government positions, um, which would make the opposition's claim void. But it seems like ultimately Trump will stay on the main and Colorado ballots from what it's looking like with Supreme Court. Interesting. Well, <laughs> that is really interesting. I do understand that if that happened, the other states trying to do the same with other candidates, especially with a majority, a state with like majority Trump supporters, I feel like, and, and like senators and governors who support Trump would definitely try to do that with Biden mm-hmm. or whoever the, whoever the Democratic, well, it is Biden. So they would try to do it with Biden. Um, so that could also get really messy. There's just a lot of stuff up in the air right now. So I guess, like, in a sense, maybe not allowing Colorado and Maine to do that might even help people that don't support Trump just because it could turn into this whole situation. And if Colorado and Maine are trying to get Trump off the ballot, they're most likely, I'm not sure if they're swing states, but they're most likely going to not vote for Trump if they're really trying to get him off the ballot. Yeah, so I guess it wouldn't make much of a difference. And okay, I messed up my words a little bit earlier. This might not have been clear, but the 14th Amendment is being used against him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So they're saying that he was part of the Capitol riot, so now he shouldn't be able to run for office, but... Yeah. Well... Huh. (laughs) (laughs) I just love American politics. It's so fun. It's interesting um well who's the other candidate nikki haley um it oh, doesn't yeah. look like she has too big of a chance of getting a lot of states though because it seems like nevada and now the u.s virgin islands are more supportive of trump too so he had some um rallies there a couple oh. of days ago so i don't even know the u.s virgin islands could vote me neither. That makes me wonder, can Samoa and like Puerto Rico vote? That's what I was thinking about, but I feel like I feel like they, they would can. Be Although if they're part of the US, like whatever it is, and they like I guess should be able to I don't know, maybe if they're taxed, no taxation without representation. <laughs> I'm not sure what all of the laws on that are. But yeah, that is just a little bit. Actually, it's a lot for you guys to chew on um, and think about. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we're just going to leave that there. We have some speed news today, and I have a good news story before Amukta does our third segment. So I'm just going to start off with something that's really been in the news lately. You've definitely probably heard about it if you aren't living under a rock, and it's that King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer it's an undisclosed form so we don't know if it's a untreatable kind or if it's easily um treatable and most people survive um but he's going to be suspending public duties to undergo treatment and i also just heard recently that he's really into 
this like natural medicine stuff and that's who his doctor is. So he's been taking these pills with shark cartilage that's said to cure cancer. So I'm not sure if it's a really harsh form. I'm not sure he's going to live that long (laughs) by trying to survive through shark cartilage and things like that. But that is like kind of concerning how many people, how many celebrities and everything just want to just, I don't know, kind of just stop doing modern medicine and go to like random natural things that nobody has proved work but i don't know it's his choice i guess so we'll see how long that works that that's interesting i mean for being like the king of england great britain that's really not what i expected and funny enough actually yesterday i was scrolling through instagram and i came up on a reel that was from the official butler of the royal palace oh and it was like a message saying, I hope you get better, King Charles. I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, no way, this is real. And I looked at the account, and it was it was real. <laughs> um, and there were comments on it which were like, he just became king, and now it seems I know. like he's going to die soon. <laughs> if he does pass soon, it's going to be a really short reign. Yeah, that is. I mean, to be fair, Queen Elizabeth's reign was so, so long that he never really got the chance to, like, yeah. step up into the position. But, um... I guess we'll just have to see what happens. Yep. Um, But a swimmer named James Magnuson has officially agreed to take high levels of performance drugs, a.k.a. doping, to hit the world record for fastest doped swimmer. I didn't even know that was a record. Oh. They're trying to break it now. (laughs) Um, That's interesting. (laughs) At least he's, like, coming out and, like, saying it to the public and saying, like, I'm going to dope. It's legal. Yeah. I actually don't know. But it's con- it's consensual. Well, I think it's yeah. If he's ju- if he's not trying to get like the fastest swimmer, it's the label specifically fastest dope sw- doped swimmer. Then I think it's legal, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he gets that because that's a really interesting <laughs> interesting goal to have. Anyways, um, you also probably know about this. So Cal has been really really suffering they've been getting some rain these past few days so people there are kind of freaking out and it's that the pineapple express storm hit california which was actually supposed to i was going to talk about this last week because it was supposed to start it's called the pineapple express because it starts in hawaii or near hawaii and then it was supposed to go to um british columbia and then go south so i thought it was going to hit us but we only got some like normal rain which I guess my brother lives in LA and he said that everybody's freaking out, but it's just like normal rain. It's like heavy rain, but it's pretty standard for Seattle. But oh, we're used to it. The problem is, yeah, the problem is there they're not prepared for rain, so they don't have proper drainage. So everybody everything's like the streets are flooding because they just don't have the drainage for that kind of weather. So that's kind of why it's been like a big deal. But it also is a big deal because it's leaving hundreds of thousands without power. Ooh, okay, that is tough. Certain areas of SoCal saw, saw upwards of 10 inches in a few days, which actually is really insane. Like Seattle does, it's very rare for Seattle to get 10 inches in a few days as well. So 
I can see how that could be a problem. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of videos of this. I see some people like making videos dancing in the rain. So I never oh, yeah. really <laughs> gauged the seriousness of it. Um but yeah, uh this Sunday the Super Bowl is on and not only are the Chiefs and 49ers fans preparing for it, but this year so are Swifties. Uh, oh, you're yeah. right. I forgot about that. I accidentally <laughs> scheduled a Galentine's dinner. I'm hosting a little Galentine's dinner for my friends on Sunday, and I forgot that it was the Super Bowl. So uh-huh. It could be a Super Bowl Galentine's dinner. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I can just turn on the Super Bowl, and it'll be <laughs> fine. It can be a little Super Bowl party. But if there's probably going to be a lot of pan camera pans over to taylor swift in the stands oh yeah for sure if she makes it back from japan oh that was the other issue right that's really funny (laughs) she's going to i think it's so funny that the japanese like official government had to make a statement that she was gonna like do her entire concert in japan and not cut it short like that's so funny that the government had to get involved with that but yeah, she'll definitely she'll definitely be at the game and it'll definitely be a big deal. So that was not very speedy speed news, but that's the end of it. So um, I have a good news story and then we're gonna take a break and Amukta has our third segment, which she'll talk to us about in a second. Mm-hmm. But my story is that three students just won $700,000 or using AI technology to decode burnt scrolls from a Pompeii library. So they created a deep learning program that took a rolled up scroll of papyrus that the Vesuvius eruption turned to charcoal basically 2000 years ago, but nobody had really like touched it. So it hadn't like, it was still kind of rolled up and like intact in the roll, but people aren't, but you aren't able to like unroll the script, which is why it's hard, which is why they need like technology to read it. And they were able to decode four passages of 140 characters each with at least 85% of characters legible. And the page was that was decoded was one page in what appears to be a treatise or treatise, mm-hmm. which is basically like an essay or an article. But it's believed that the ancient Greek who wrote it writes about music, food, and how to enjoy life's pleasures. Wow. And I assume the AI technology did this by, like, finding patterns within the writing. Because I know when scientists, like, Gosh. try to decode old stuff, they I have look for the no idea. I, th- that's, like, really just a mystery to me. <laughs> I do not understand AI at all. Like... Especially because, yeah, the scrolls can't be unrolled because they would just, like, turn to ash and just, like, oh, disappear, right? Because they're already in charcoal, so they have to stay rolled up, uh-huh. which is, like, the technology has to, like, go through the charcoal paper, the burnt paper, and then read it, like, in a way that it doesn't, because it's rolled over itself. So how does it not read, like, the two or three or four words at once because they're all like it's not just like an x-ray it's really strange like i can't comprehend what it's doing that that is really interesting though um and making nearly a million dollars like for students for doing that yeah it's amazing well honestly like it's like a good incentive because it's really powering this innovation over here Mm mm-hmm 
like now there was a bunch of other people that tried to do the same thing, but they the others tended to manage about to to find about thirty percent of mm-hmm. um the characters were legible and this group saw eighty five percent of legible characters. Wow. So they just did it really, really well. I think okay, a lot of people are afraid about the future of AI, but for uses like this, I think it's I think it's really beneficial. Yeah. I think yeah, f- as f- like for historians, you would never think that like AI would go into certain fields like history, but mm-hmm. it can be used for literally anything, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. So that's just a good story on AI. <laughs> um and that is my good piece of news. Mukta, do you want to tell us about what our third segment is going to be? Yes. So I realized last week that we never ended up talking about the Grammys, even though it was kind of a big deal this year. I mean, it's a big deal every year, (laughs) but I'm just surprised we didn't talk about it. And Nicole doesn't know the winners of the Grammys this year. Oh, yeah. I did not really keep up, (laughs) y'all. Like, I just, yeah. Um, but I thought it, we could play a fun guessing game to see how many Nicole would guess right. And if you don't know, if you listeners don't know the the answers either, then this would be a fun time to to guess and find out. All right. Okay. So let's start. Hmm. Let's start with a slightly less important category, or not less oh, important. Okay. All of them are important, but um. The main ones are obviously record, song, and then album. So let's actually start with Best New Artist. And I actually don't know a lot of these artists yet, but I will find out. So let's see if Nicole can, can guess. All right. So this is for Best New Artist. And the nominees are Jelly Roll, The War in Treaty, Noah Khan, Coco Jones, Ice Spice, Fred Again, Gracie Abrams, and Victoria Monet. Oh, no. Wait, okay, I know, like, four of those, which I feel, like, could definitely... I did not realize Noah Khan and I Spice were considered... Or Gracie Abrams were considered new that is, artists. That is surprising, yeah. But I, they have so many, like, followers and so many fans. I guess it makes sense, yeah. So... Oh, I think... I think I'm going to go with Ice Spice. She seems to be in the media a lot. Good guess, but that's actually not right. The answer is Victoria Monet. Okay, that was the third one where it did ring a bell, but like uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't think she was as big as the others. That's yeah, I'm actually I I was surprised when she came up, but the song clip that they played was was pretty good. So Okay. I mean, I guess I guess it's kind of expected. All right, we're going to rapid fire through the next four. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, all good. All right, this next one is for Best Pop Solo Performance. Um, and the nominees are Antihero by Taylor Swift, Flowers by Miley Cyrus, Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo, What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish, and Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat. Um. So I did hear, I actually do have a little bit of an advantage because I did hear that Taylor Swift won 13 Grammys, I think. Or no, 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 no. She won her 13th Grammy. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so I'm, that, okay. Changes my answer. I'm going to go with Olivia Rodrigo. It's actually Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Okay, so we're <laughs> on a roll, guys. Not bad, not bad, though. I think a lot of people would have guessed that. All right, next album of the year. This one might be a little bit more obvious. 
World Music Radio by John Batiste, The Record by Boy Genius, Guts by Olivia Rodrigo, Midnights by Taylor Swift, SOS by SZA, The Age of Pleasure by Janelle Monet. Did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard by Lana Del Rey and Endless Summer Vacation by Miley Cyrus? Oh, okay. These are all really good albums that I've listened to, but I just feel like it has to be Midnight's by Taylor Swift. You're right on that one. Good job. We're one for three, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, second to last one. We're going to go with Record of the Year. All right, so the nominees for this one are Worship by John Batiste, Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo, Flowers by Miley Cyrus, Antihero by Taylor Swift, On My Mama by Victoria Monet, Not Strong Enough by Boy Genius, What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish, and Kill Bill by SZA. Oh... I would say Olivia Rodrigo, just because I feel like... But I I think I heard somebody say that she didn't get any this year. Or maybe that was somebody else. Um, Oh, wait, no, I heard that Lana Del Rey didn't get any. So that's out. I think that that might be Kill Bill. (laughs) That's what I would have wanted, but it was Flowers by Miley Cyrus. What is with this flower song? I remember (laughs) in the beginning of the year, yeah, it was really popular. So I guess that makes sense. But, Mm -hmm. well, we have the same thought process, Nicole. I I would have expected Kill Bill to make it because that was my top song of the year. Yeah, that was so big over the summer Mm -hmm. and, like, ever since. But, well, that's interesting. Good to know that. Well, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the Grammys don't always work in my favor, but that's okay. I would love if Lana could get some more Grammys or any Grammys. She's never gotten one, only nominations. But I love Lana Del Rey, so hopefully next year she'll get some. But. Um, congrats to all of the singers who did get <laughs> Grammys, I guess. And that is all we have for you today. So we hope you enjoy your Friday, Friday night and your weekend. We'll be back next Friday and then and then we have midwinter break. Yeah. Which is very exciting. But we will be back next week, same time, same place. And until then, just keep listening to KMIH eighty nine the bridge. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rush Hour. If you missed it, you can always find this and all of our past Rush Hour episodes on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the music and conversation that spans generations on 88.9 The Bridge.